<clears throat> of one of the little moons of Jupiter, a place called Europa. And lo and behold, it occurred to him that Europa would be a dandy place to try to look for life in the solar system. Right. Extraterrestrial life. Right. Well, as you may know, and of course I think you do know, this was not Stephen's idea, but in fact my idea 16 years ago and became the basis for Arthur Clarke's sequel to 2001-2010. And in his, uh, in, in the novel version of, of his uh, sequel, Arthur very graciously and kindly, as he always does, gave appropriate credit for the idea and where it first appeared, which was when I was contributing editor of Star in the Sky magazine and wrote a very elaborate and very detailed analysis uh, and published it in 1980 to a great deal of derision by most of NASA. And we have posted uh, that for the last several months on our website, including the color uh, Voyager imagery that came back, which kind of prompted my thought processes. And so I find it really remarkable that uh, in the last couple of weeks, someone in the NASA employee, you know, a professor at Cornell, who is under contract to the agency, would attempt to, frankly, nakedly plagiarize someone else's work. And we'll get into why this is far more than just a, a kind of a petty tip between two. There really is something here, isn't there? In there other appears words, to be a much more interesting political agenda. Well, also a scientific one. In other words, uh, there may be some news coming about Europa. Precisely. And we will get into later in the morning how that all plays out, what the timelines are, what we should be looking for and what is presaging, you know, events to come. Can I take you for one second totally off track because of some news that I just got? Uh, have you had an opportunity yet to see a picture of the crop circle at Stonehenge? I have seen, um, we've had a lot of problem, Art, getting onto our own website. <laughs> In fact, your website and our website through Znet coming in through our system here has been absolutely blocked for the last week since I appeared on your show. Well, she's up now. And what we have done, well, I don't think it's your computer. I think there's something else going on. Oh, I, I, we, we're well aware of it. Because, because we have gone through all kinds of other sites, including around the world, through the back door. We have looked at our own site on a mirror site, you know, Kinthea's planetary mystery site in San Francisco. Sure. We've looked at all kinds of other sites, including sites heavily involved with graphics, like the Apple site. And there is something rather peculiar going on in terms of the communication between our computer and our own website. Well, I hesitate to say that it's not anything more than just a glitch, but I am becoming increasingly suspicious. So am I, and so is Keith. Uh, having, having said that, um, so I've not had a chance to see the, All right, the, fine. the uh, crop circle. The reason I brought it up is because it is the most remarkable thing that just about anybody has ever seen. Now, tonight, I've got a new photograph uh, of a new crop circle, not yet on the webpage because I, I don't have uh, the uh, imagery, it, uh, at Wilshire, England, and it just occurred July 29th. It is three Julia sets combined with 194 circles. It is the doggondest thing. It's a mile uh, long. It's the doggondest thing you have ever seen in your life. And I just wanted to ask you generally, these things, Richard, obviously are not the work, whatever they are, they're not the work of a couple of guys with a board and plank, you know, whoever. No, no. These are something, and they're, 
They're increasing now, and they're get they're really something, Richard. They're, they're also increasingly mathematical and geometrical, and they're increasingly, if I may use the term, hyperdimensional art. You Someone is trying to communicate the importance of a changing physics. Yes. Which gets us into, this is a very nice segue, and, and guys, we did not really plan this at all. What we're doing on the website is we have now expanded our site, and we have the ship, Enterprise, divided into a series of sections ranging from the conference area to the bridge to the communication section to the ship's library to the physics laboratory to the planetary laboratory and we're going to be opening up in the next couple three days three two-way interactive communications divisions of of enterprise uh, namely the conference area which will be for general discussion the bridge which will be for political and email and and a a way to affect this government to go back, for instance, to Mars this year and to verify what is there with the three missions that are leaving for Mars this fall. And then the, the physics lab <clears throat> will be the area where we will be posting the mathematics, the geometry, the papers, and the contributions from, from researchers and experimenters who are at this very moment verifying this changing physics I keep talking about. And of course, this this uh, latest in the series of new circles or new elegant glyphs is only testimony that somebody is attempting very gently and elegantly to let us know what's going on. And the fact that it's specifically aimed at the Mendelbrot set, yes. it's specifically denoting the boundary between finite and infinite diversity. And that's, of course, the, the, the centerpiece of this new slash old physics that we've talked about for an age well i i have no explanation for something like this uh in the case of stonehenge we do have a picture up there it's not quite as spectacular as this latest one this is amazing so is that um the fact is they've got testimony richard from a pilot who flew over that area says it absolutely was not there 15 minutes came this back. was the stonehenge one that's right 15 minutes came back over the same area and uh and there it was yeah this was an raf pilot and that was daylight by the way and he assigned uh, papers to that effect okay well obviously we're not dealing with doug and dave no and what we're dealing with is an official denial uh as profound as the kind of denial that seems to be going on around twa 800 there is a general confluence art of events moving at an accelerating pace. And on some of them, they're very, they're very promising. Others are by no means as promising. And we need to be aware and alert to people who are attempting to divert us from the real uh, events that are going on with spurious events. And uh, we might you know, get into that more, more later on in the morning. All right, just for your information, I'm sitting here with the Pendium next to me, and I just logged on to uh, my own website, so uh, she is up and running, and I went through AOL, so looks like everything's cooking tonight. Okay. Well, we have had a tremendous amount of problems. Carrie has been tearing out her hair and consulting with every expert that we have, and no one between Sprint and, uh, and our, web, our, our, own, our own server and Znet can figure out what in the world could be going on. I hear you. But your site and our site freeze when we try to get in. Uh, and nothing else is affected. You know, the graphics are slow because we're not dealing with, you know, major cable modem capabilities yet. But 
but I have noticed a remarkable problem in the last week. No question. And I'm just getting a little bit suspicious. So are we all. So if people can log on and let us know how our site is loading and how it looks, it would be useful. All right, the way to do it is just go to uh, www.artbell.com and don't miss that Stonehenge circle. We'll get, if, if before I leave on my trip, I can get this new Wilshire, somebody will send it to me one up. Uh, um, I will get it up. It's, uh, again, three Julia sets, Richard, 194 circles. Remarkable. Yeah. Uh, do you have any best guesses? Uh, weather anomaly, magnetic anomaly. As you know, Levengood, Dr. Levengood has done testing and has found uh, molecular ch changes. Uh, well, well, the actual materials uh, people like Levengood unequivocally have demonstrated that the difference between a, a, a crop in a circle which is in geometrically uh, advantaged, if I can use that term, <laughs> and one that has not, is that there is a physical change in the plant. Uh, there, are, there are burst nodes indicating that some kind of side effect, uh, some kind of energy release in the plant has literally cooked the, uh, the, uh, the organism. That's correct. Cool. And, 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 and it's like putting it in a microwave. Uh, and there are people who think that this is being done by the government, which I think is a bunch of balderdash. Anytime the government would be as, as creative as this, uh, you, ah. would, you would definitely see it in other areas, and you don't. Yes. Um, the, the EM effects, the electromagnetic effects, I believe, in terms of the physics that we're looking at, um, are side effects. They're not primary. And that means we have to get over into Tom Bearden's area and his whole scalar discussions, mm -hmm. which really is, is what hyperdimensional physics is. You know, when I use the term hyperdimensional physics, people scratch their heads and say, what in the world is Oakland talking about? Well, some are more familiar if I use the term scalar electromagnetic. Okay. Because it turns out that the electromagnetic spectrum that we deal with is only half of the true electromagnetic spectrum which exists and which was modeled by people like uh, uh, Clerk Maxwell, James Clerk Maxwell, uh, about a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. And people that came after him, uh, physicists who are cited very ably by people like, like, like Bearden. Um, we're going to be posting in the physics lab of, of Enterprise experiments and papers and actual uh, video clips from people who have done a remarkable job of documenting this physics without, in many cases, knowing what they were documenting. And one of the most remarkable to me is, well, it came to me about three or four years ago from the work of uh, Dr. Bruce De Palma, uh, a, a name that I'm sure we have discussed on, on your show from time to time. Yes. Bruce is the brother of the famous uh, Hollywood director Brian De Palma, uh, which is kind of interesting. I found that out a couple of years ago and was quite intrigued because creativity definitely does run in the family. Hmm. Except Bruce's is, is in physics and Brian's, of course, is in the, in the creative arts and sciences of the National Academy, you know, that gives out the Academy Award. Um, what Bruce was doing many years ago was studying all different facets of rotation, massive spinning systems. And this was, you know, decades before we met. This was back in the 1960s and 70s, long before I was even beginning to think in these directions, certainly long before I could have influenced him to do any experiments. Mm -hmm. And what I got from one of his presentations was a, was a piece of videotape of a, of a lecture, of a seminar, 
where he had placed living organisms, in this case, ordinary lawn grass, uh, in a uh, shielded metal dish with um, nutrients. All right, we're at the bottom of the hour, so we'll get to the results of that experiment in just a moment. From New York City, in the middle of the night, it is Richard C. Hoagland. This is CBC. This is TRN and CBC, Talk Radio Network and Chancellor Broadcasting Company, home of Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Jupiter and its moons. 
We, we must not see this. That's right. <laughs> anyway, and some of the people who would not look or who took him aside and said, you know, Bruce, you really want to not do this. You want to be doing something that will make you money and keep you happy yeah. were people like Edwin Land, who uh, Bruce worked for, who is now no longer with us, the founder and chief executive officer of the Polaroid Land Camera Company. Sure, sure. And a gentleman named Edgerton. Dr. Edgerton was a very famous physicist at MIT. Went on to found a company called EG&G. Edgerton, Germishausen, and Greer, oh, yes. which is a vast uh, conglomerate in the optics and high-tech area, which, among other things, for a number of years had the sole source contract to the Atomic Energy Commission to photograph all of the United States nuclear tests. I was about to tell you, they have a great presence here where I am. And they are deeply involved in the whole Area 51 controversy. Correct. Okay, uh, through Bob Lazar, that's where their name first surfaced at the general level. Well, I knew EG&G people. In fact, one of my best friends was the photographic expert at EG&G, someone who is very quietly now helping us with our analysis of the uh, moon images. And at some point, we may uh, bring him forward and have him do something in public. But I was fascinated that two people who were giants of industry and science in this country both said to the young Dr. De Palma, uh, you really don't want to be poking into and doing these experiments and trying to get anybody to pay attention. And when I talk about a conspiracy to lead us in the wrong direction, Art, yes. it's that kind of repeated encounter with people who don't seem to want to know mm -hmm. or who know something and don't want their young protégés to know or pursue it. No, that's right. No, it's understandable, uh, actually, um, that they would, uh, or that might uh, threaten uh, some paradigm and along with it careers that they have established. There, there could be a lot of motivations for that. Well, see, this was in the nature, and because I know Bruce and we've had many, many conversations, I'm not really telling you the tales out of school here because he has left the United States. Bruce right. Palmer is no longer on American soil. He does not feel safe here. He has gone halfway around the world, and I'm in touch with him from time to time. And I think he hears your show by means of tape or something. There are many who listen that way. Uh, and he was involved in our Tether satellite discussion. Uh-huh. Uh, Stan Dale's in Australia, um, Arthur C. Clarke's in Sri Lanka. Mm -hmm. A lot of people of science, Richard, have picked up sticks and gone elsewhere. Why is that? I know. Anyway... No, that was from, the question. Why do you think that is? Well, because it's not fruitful to try to pursue truth under a certain political environment. You would think America would be the one place you could pursue it uh, with vigor. Wouldn't you? Yeah, wouldn't you? Right. Anyway, according to Bruce, these two men who had taken him under uh, their wing were basically telling him in the in the kind of um, demeanor of a of a uh, you know a, a vuncular uncle mm -hmm. uh, as someone they felt something for and cared about and we're trying to gently steer from having a very hard time and to protect. Not not a threat, it was more like, you know, you gotta wake up and smell which way the coffee is blowing off the stove <laughs> and, 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 and decide what you really wanna do and if you wanna make enemies or you wanna quietly find a niche where you don't rock the boat. Mm -hmm. Now, he also tried to get someone named John Wheeler uh, interested in these experiments because, of course, Wheeler came to fame at Princeton as the inventor of the term black hole. 
physicist Wheeler has written a number of books and more papers than you can shake a stick at relating the geometry of space-time uh, and the properties of gravity. And, of course, Bruce thought in his naivete in those days that conducting experiments which absolutely and resoundingly demonstrate that gravity is not acting the way it should, according to every classical or relativistic experiment that we read about or conduct, might be of interest to people who had some clout in the science field, and instead he was gently taken aside and said, Bruce, you really don't want to be asking these questions. All right. This part was 20 years ago. Right. Well, we can imagine a bunch of motivations for that kind of action. I, I really can. I mean, paradigms, careers, or uh, black projects that are presently underway that, uh, you, you know, science, Richard, as you well know, uh, tends to be a very parallel thing, people developing similar things at similar times. So you can imagine a lot of motivations for suppression. Well, if you, if you, if you extend this model a little, little further, and you get the idea that maybe these guys knew that what Bruce was doing was right, mm -hmm. and that there was an in-crowd that knew he was right, it means that the physics that all high school kids grow up learning and all grad students grow up learning at, 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 the, at the college level, the university level, is wrong. It just doesn't work. And you only learn this when you go to get a job in the military-industrial complex and start working on how to fling missiles at other countries so you can kill right. millions of people. Right. And then you find out, my God, if you fling missiles under Newtonian or relativistic models, they will not land where you fling them. Now, let me put together, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going to hop around here for a couple of seconds. Well, you're but squarely in the middle of a national security area, so if you're wondering why there'd be a cover-up here, you've already said it. Well, but I'm, for the people in our audience who may not have come up this curve like you and I have. Sure. And like me, who used to think that I was dealing with dumbness and stupidity, and now think that we're dealing with anything but dumbness and stupidity, all right? Um, it requires this kind of backstory to get them to see that when they see something on CNN, <clears throat> when they see the FBI on a witch hunt on a poor dumb bubba, all right, who happens to be at the wrong place at the wrong time and to become a scapegoat, they don't quite leap where everybody wants them to leap, but they reserve judgment and demand to see real evidence. Because we live in a culture art where so much is manipulated for an objective. And in the sciences, the nice thing is the universe will tell you the truth if you simply do your own homework. We'll if do you that. don't listen to the authority figures, if you go and do it yourself. Well, that's why we have you here. Now, You're up until now, well. if you did all that, it didn't make a difference. Uh -huh. What Bruce's experience showed was that even at the highest level, when you find something that should automatically give you a Nobel Prize, if the powers that be don't want the general public and the general science community that isn't involved in flinging missiles at the Soviet Union to know that the equations relating to gravity are not what they're supposed to be, that there's some other physics in operation, then they will gently make it very difficult for you to get a job and make a living and conduct science so that you ultimately have to leave the country and go where maybe you can operate more freely. Isn't one good example of that the tethered satellite? I saw a lot of after reports uh, about the tethered satellite 
that I thought, you know, I'm not a scientist, uh, Richard, but I thought that it verified a hell of a lot of what you said. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and we are going to be collecting all those, many of them from NASA's official web pages, and posting them in the physics section of Enterprise. That's why I've been working very hard since we came back from Europe <clears throat> to organize the web, because the, the new part of the equation are, which we have not had before, which gives us a fighting chance to actually do something for the so-called common man and woman, who are as uncommon as all get out, if the truth be known, is the web, is the internet, is this electronic leveling mechanism that if Bucky Fuller were with us, he would call the great equalizer. Sure. And the fact that we're being impeded on the web, you know, and I'm being very careful in picking my words here, is only to me an indication of how pivotally important and crucial it is and I will make you a bet, I will make you a bet that tomorrow morning when we log on to the web, all our problems have gone away. Because you see, if they haven't gone away, we're going to ratchet up the number of people looking. And these things can be traced. Viruses that are imprinted on data packets to make things look as if they're much bigger, so the system simply crashes because it thinks it's being overloaded, those things are not invisible, they're not stealthy. They leave fingerprints, and we will find the fingerprints. And, of course, there are people we're talking to in the media who would love for us to come up with a smoking gun that somebody considers what we're doing and saying and, and experimenting with important enough to interfere with. Yes. So I would imagine, Art, that after this conversation, our problems may, in fact, just magically, like all little gremlins, go away. Suits me. Uh, whatever it takes. Um, obviously, if they interfere too frequently, they'll be noticed. They're going to know that, so guys, lay off. You, you know, the, the Internet is going to be our best defense against every, everything that is secret. How much time we got for the end of the hour? Good enough time. Okay, because I'd have to one, remember, I'm not forgetting Bruce De Palma and his grass sitting in, in his little trays. Yes. <clears throat> anyway, so Bruce was experimenting with NASA's spinning system. And he found that gravity did not appear to be what it was cracked up to be. It was more interesting. And he tried to get Flam, and he tried to get Edgerton and some other people like Wheeler to pay attention. And the, the two former gentlemen said, Bruce, you really would rather be growing begonias than looking at that. Mm -hmm. Which should have been a dead giveaway to him, but he was dumb and persistent, and I guess he was a Taurus, and he just persisted with the experiment. He got to the point where he started thinking the unthinkable, which is, well, let's say, if gravity is not operating the way I've been told, a la all the textbooks sure. from Newton on, sure and plants grow up and we're told the plants grow up because they're reaching for sunlight they're phototropic yes is it not possible i'm kind of recapitulating what went on in bruce's mind he said to himself that maybe plants are operating on a gravity vector on a gravity principle interesting this was before spaceflight all right before you could actually put tomato seeds and other things in the shuttle sure. and high school kids could watch them grow for weeks on end so what he did is he set up a couple of closed rooms where all the ambient light <clears throat> was carefully monitored so that it came from all directions. So there was no single source of illumination. Yes. So the plant wouldn't be able to find where, where the sun was. Right. And then he put, for some reason, he decided because in some of his experiments he had gotten a very strange gravity effect in rotating systems, he decided to have two control plant growing experiments that he picked as a plant the, the most readily and abundant plant you can find, which is lawn grass. Sure, right? sure. 
I don't know the brand name, but it was garden variety lawn grass from the farm outside. And he had a one of those 78 RPM record changers. Remember record changers in the four CDs? Yes, I had to admit it, but of course I do. With, with the little disc of aluminum that went around and around, and you could actually change it from yes. 33 and a third yes. to 45 to 78 RPM. That's right. All right. Well, this is very important because in the photographs that we're going to post on the web in the physics section of Enterprise, he had photographs of lawn grass growing over a turntable on one of these old record changers, yes. spinning at 70 RPM. Now, the mass of the turntable was a few grams, all right? Right. Because you didn't want a big massive system because long playing Decca records required a small mass system to yeah. maintain stability. So how did the grass grow? Ah, let me tell you how the grass grew. And it was not over the septic tank. <clears throat> what he found was that when he had the grass growing over a non-rotating record changer, it grew at a certain rate. The control growing over a spinning system same lighting, same watering, same food, same everything. Grew faster, higher, quicker. Faster and higher. Grew, grew in the vertical? Grew in the vertical. And it grew into a certain geometric configuration. Really? Geometry. Now, 20 years, we fast forward the film. What we have are crops, plants, relatives of lawn grass, lying down in extraordinary geometric patterns. True. Well, the connecting glue here is that Bruce De Palma conducted the first hyperdimensional experiments, which were a clue to me that biology is affected by rotating systems. And I have the visual proof that it's 20 years before we posited the theory. How then would you transfer that knowledge, or would you dare, to a theory regarding the formation of the circles. Well, obviously, the the effect of, of rotating at 78 RPM, a very thin aluminum disc on a record changer, is minimal. If you want to really affect space-time, bend space, affect gravity, or affect actually the constants, there are much more deliberate and selective ways of doing it with a lot of high-tech gear that we don't yet possess. But in theory, the extrapolation between Bruce's simple rotating system. So of course, what we're gonna do on the web, Art, is we're gonna get high school kids and grammar school kids all over the country growing lawn grass over rotating systems. Gotcha. And taking pictures and sending us their pictures. And we'll post them. And doing other more elegant experiments like what does a rotating system do to an ant colony versus a non-rotating system. Mm -hmm. You see what we can begin to flood the market with interesting, innovative new science that cannot be suppressed. That leads toward the physics you've been preaching about <laughs> and they've been throwing up over. Uh, and I suppose if you get enough people doing it, finally, uh, your theory is it cannot be ignored any longer. Well, you see, there's lots of other things that we're going to be posting that we're going to be putting on from major laboratory experiments that are absolutely confounding and wondrously perplexing that are just being ignored. Now, I think it's a very cunning, interesting approach, Richard. And if you can get people all over America doing these experiments, soon uh, they will no longer have plausible deniability. Well, the key is to get them all over the world, and the web gives us that, because you, you see, bet. if we're right, if Bruce was right, there should be latitude dependence. Grass grown at 19.5. 
Are you listening, you guys in Hawaii? Hmm. Should grow differently over a rotating system than grass grown in New York at 40.868. In, in what way? In other words, how should the people in Hawaii see the grass differently? How should, it, if they were about to look, and many of them will as we speak, uh, what will they see or notice? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm, uh, this is going to be a learning experience for all of us because some of this we can predict. And some of it is going to be literally the most extraordinary science because it's going to be stepping into the unknown. That's why we're calling this enterprise art. It is the heart and soul of what my dear friend Gene Roddenberry had in mind. And we're going to take everybody with us. All right. Um, as you know, you asked me uh, many times before you went to Europe, which is about where I'm headed, in Scandinavia and Russia and so forth, uh, asked me to have Graham Hancock on. Mm -hmm. I did so twice with incredible um, results, and I would I would like you uh, like you when we come back from the break to discuss a little bit uh, about what what you think Graham's work and your work have in common or complement uh, each other. Now he talked extensively about the mon monuments of Earth, yeah, and to some degree about the monuments of Mars. And it does seem to me, Richard, there is an undeniable connection. And that, that, that undeniably, all of this had to be done by somebody not of Earth, uh, or at least uh, not with technology that we presently have. Well, remember the model that we've been talking about now for months and months, which is this dysfunctional family model which is that the human race is a lot more diverse and interesting with a much more uh, interesting heritage, a richer heritage, than the last 6,000 years. Mm -hmm. And that we're kind of like the poor cousin. We're reconnecting with folks who are related, who are family, who simply hang their hat on a different piece of real estate tonight than planet Earth. And that there are people in this government and other governments who have known this for a long time and for whatever reason have taken it upon themselves to keep the rest of us from figuring this out. You're saying, uh, translation, there are in fact ETs. You're but not, not aliens. There's a difference. Well, An alien is someone who is not related genetically. That's right. Well, I didn't say the genetic code. I, I didn't say alien. When I when I say ET, I'm talking about human beings who happen not to live here at the moment. Uh-huh. But who are part of what used to be here and in other parts of the solar system. In a grand golden age whose echoes we are seeing in these ruins. All right, hold it right there. We'll be right back. My guest is Richard C. Hoagland. to Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Listeners west of the Rockies can call Art toll-free by dialing 1-800-618-8255. If you're east of the Rockies, the toll-free number is 800-825-5033. If you've never called Art before, you may use the first-time caller line at area code 702-727-1222. And the wild card line is area code 702-727-1222. 1295. When you get through, let it ring, and Art will answer your call in order on the air. This is the CBC Radio Network.
the wildcard line at 702-727-1295. That's 702-727-1295. First-time callers can reach Art Bell at 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. Now, here again, Art Bell. This is from my good friend Greg down at KBC. Sent me a fax and said, gee, you finally found that song you wanted. Now I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> That's why I hunted it down. These things just happen to you. They start going through your head, you got to have them. All right, back to Richard C. Hoagland in just a moment. Economic survival. A non-trivial issue for most of us. Running harder, stay in place, working for somebody else, going nowhere fast, just sort of staying up with everything, if you're lucky. Is there another way? Yes. It's the commodities market. And if you want it in numbers, it's uh, now to New York City and Richard C. Hoagland. Word, the web pages are up and operating just fine. Mine is www.artbell.com. There is a brand new crop circle as of July 29. We don't have aerial photographs yet, but we will. Three Julia sets combined, 194 circles, more extensive, but very similar to the Stonehenge crop circle uh, that you can see on my webpage. And we've spent the last hour talking about, uh, actually about things spinning in magnetics and things that might go toward explaining crop circles. Once again, here is Richard Hoagland. Richard. Okay. So let's see, where do we leave leave off? Well, uh, with, the, with the grass and the spinning and the experiments. Yeah, the idea here is that we will have a series of replications of this work. As any good science, it must be replicated. And in this case, you know, the replication can be done by a wide variety of people because a lot of these experiments are not the kind that you need a couple of billion dollars in 10 years of your spare time. You can do them, you know, with, with uh, old record changers and lawn grass. Exactly. When do you think, uh, here, for example, is a fax, Richard. Brilliant idea for Richard. As, the homeschool, as a homeschooling parent, I'm very eager to teach my children real science based on honest inquiry, unbiased notions, and research not profit-motivated. And so when do you think you might have some of these suggested experiments at your webpage? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> this is getting staff-intensive, all right? I, I understand. Um, I'm overworked. Poor Keith is overworked. We have just hired a helmsman for Enterprise uh, here in New York who is going to be coordinating the discussions. And we're, we're, we're announcing tonight that in the next few days we will have up uh, at www.enterprisemission.com, and you can reach us directly or through uh, your site art, uh, we will have three sections of enterprise up and running in the in the sense of two-way email, where if you if you email us, you will eventually see it posted as part of a continuing discussion. We're going to be uploading papers, you know, recipes in terms of a prescription for how to carry out, for instance, the long grass experiment. I will have to put up the actual images to show the before and after and the rotating and the non-rotating. But it's this kind of simple stuff that can be replicated by, you know, kids with access to either, you know, high school physics gear for the more complicated things or really simple things. I mean, 
you could get even at a at a uh, you know eighth or ninth grade level uh, with the help of mom and dad a a, a closed room like a, like a bathroom or a bedroom where you can seal the windows sure. and you have uniform lighting and you put the you know you have the same humidity and you put the grass in a one you know how you used to get these Mrs Smith pies with a little aluminum pie plate uh, pie uh, of course tins I ate many. Yeah, well, you, you want you want a, you want an aluminum plate to put the grass in because you want to shield the grass from possible electromagnetic effects. Okay. This is a non-electromagnetic experiment. That's what makes it so elegant because it goes through uh, magnetic media and conducting media and metals and things like that. And again, uh, the whole point of this uh, for the audience joining us is that when you perform this experiment, you will find that you have found something that does not fit into the present scheme of known physics and you will be helping to prove that what we know about physics right now is not necessarily all we ought to know.